Canucks Central Friday. It's Dan Riccio and Vic Nazar here in the Kintec studio. Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific Vancouver's premier Chrysler Dodge Ram and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Maine or at Enzyme Pacific Chrysler.ca. Bick Nazar in for Satyar Shah. He's uh, he's over 40 now, so he needs more maintenance days. That's just that's just <laughs> how it works. I don't make the rules. <laughs> What's the excuse for me then? Because I'm taking a maintenance day on Monday. <laughs> well, he's uh, over 38. He yeah. needs a maintenance day. <laughs> that doesn't mean like being under 40 doesn't mean you don't need maintenance days. That's it's fair. just you need more after you're 40. The machine that was Satyar Shaw is uh, yes re- requires more service now. <laughs> it does. <laughs> needs Phil Kessel level service. <laughs> A month-long conditioning stint with the Abbotsford Canucks. Hey, if Sat was off for 10 months, then sure. (laughs) Uh, We're trying to keep it positive here because uh, Canucks have lost six of seven. People are freaking out. Elias Pettersson on the trade block. Well, not really. But he was earlier this week. You know what? We're not going to talk a lot of Pettersson today. At least not from the trade context Mm -hmm. or signing context because realistically... There hasn't been a development since Elliot mentioned the Hurricanes thing yesterday. It felt like, you know, when you, you, you leave the, the kettle on too long or the, or the pot on too long yeah. and it starts boiling and you just put it down to simmer. It's like, it, it, it's still on the stove. Yes. It's just down to simmer. Yeah. Down or, to simmer Or right you now. put the wooden spoon on top. Yeah. Apparently, like, have you tried that? It works. Does it actually work? Yeah. It, has it worked for you? I've tried it. And it, it, oh. it, make, it makes me question the, the, wait, the, stop the validity like, of the uh, wood of, my, of, of the spoon. <laughs> You got bad wood, man. Yeah. <laughs> <Ugh>. Phrasing. <laughs> what reports have you heard? <laughs> All right, it's time for the open. Welcome to the open. Oh, that's your home. Are you too good for your home? Answer me. Uh, Canucks. Yeah, it might be too good for their home because they didn't look all that great at home last night against the L.A. Kings. It was dreadful. Now, at the same time, you look at the scoreline and you look at their home record for the course of the season and it's very easy to say, well, yeah, that's probably their worst home loss of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, No, it it definitely is. Maybe the Philly one shortly after Christmas comes close. Mm -hmm. Those are the two. Sure. Right? But last night was bad. And the Vegas one, maybe. Yeah. That one also poor. So there's three. You know, that's the that's the podium right now. And given that it's March first, not so bad. But it does come at a time where it's like, hey, you guys are supposed to be ramping up for the playoffs, and it seems like other teams, especially playoff teams, are closer to that level than you are right now. And that was apparent again last night for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, I'm not as far down the line of, hey, the Canucks can't beat any good teams as some of our texters are at points. But yeah, this is a stretch where the strength of schedule has picked up and the Canucks haven't been able to manage it as well as you would like them to. It's also their first real slump of the season. It was going to come at some point, probably better now than it is mid April or when you're in the midst of the first round of the Stanley cup playoffs. So I'm like, I'm not okay with this happening right now. I think it's just one of those moments where you have to hope it gets them to look in the mirror a little bit 
and pick up their own game because last night wasn't like LA did anything overwhelming mm-hmm. to the Canucks. It was more the Canucks just didn't match their effort level and their level of sharpness throughout the course of the game. But I didn't feel like LA was on a talent level far and above where the Canucks are as as a team. That that wasn't what made the difference last night, Vic. They were clearly the better team yesterday. Yeah, I was kind of making this point last night, and some people were like, "What do you mean LA wasn't impressive?" I, I kind of came away from that game. Remember when GSP went after Matt Hughes? He's like, "I'm not that impressed with that victory." Sure, I remember. No, I don't. It, it, but it's, it's I'll agree like that. with you. Really, that's an iconic like Canadian. I'm not a moment. UFC guy. I remember them fighting. I don't remember. Oh my goodness! Well, that was, so that texters was will know. Was Text in right now. Do you remember GSP? I think it was Matt Hughes, right? Yeah, he lost at first, and then Hughes defended the title. Yeah, and GSP came in and said all like, that in the ring. He yeah. was like, "Congratulations on your victory." He's like, "I wasn't that impressed." Wow, I, I thought you guys all remember that. All right, no, my my greatest uh, George St. Pierre memory is being at a club in Montreal for a bachelor party. He shows up into the booth next to us. I tried to take a picture, and his bouncer almost took my head off. <laughs> so. <laughs> That picture wasn't that impressive. <laughs> it got deleted right away. So uh, there, there was no evidence to be That's had of George St. Pierre. It was bad at club etiquette. I was pretty young back then. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's my George St. Pierre memory. But yeah, like I, I, but I'll agree with your analogy. Sure. They were better. Yeah. But there were quotes last night from Dowdy saying like, oh, that was one of our best 60 minutes. Really? Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing to me that said like a, a good team can't overcome that performance. LA gets the lead, they get to lock it down, and they they played the way I imagine Rick Tockett is going to show the Canucks and say for a team that might be tired and they played some games here recently too. They were three and four nights, yeah, right? That was a team that learned how to play tired. Mm-hmm. They're the Kings, and you've got Dowdy, you got Kopitar, Deneau, they know how to do that. I imagine Rick Tockett said like that team can do it. You have to be able to do it too. And the effort thing that you mentioned, the effort for the Canucks was kind of there yesterday. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the Boston game where they lost 4 nothing. It wasn't the, the Seattle game uh, where they lost 5-2. The execution, though, did not match the effort. They were woeful, just connecting passes. Yeah. I, 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 I didn't do the counter when I was doing a rewatch, but I'm sure you're going to count it. Like, how many three passing sequences were there? It was as sloppy a game as we've seen them play. They were very disconnected, disjointed. Some of that was on L.A., right? Uh, L.A. didn't give them anything easy through the neutral zone. They were chipping bodies, doing all those things that Rick Tockett loves to to mention, getting in hard on the forecheck, not giving them any easy passes on the breakout. But, you know, they had opportunities to connect play, and they just more often than not weren't able to. As much as I think there are some things that are waving a yellow flag at me for the Canucks, like, hey, you know, without Dakota Joshua, you feel a bit of a um, a lack of size through the Canucks forward group. I'll agree with that. Their defense looks a little slow right now, especially a guy like Ian Cole. Looks like he could use mm-hmm. a couple of maintenance days. He's lost a half a step here, and given his age and usage this year, you know, he's probably could use this month of March where games are spaced out a little bit more for the Canucks. And they're already not a fast team. Yeah. And yesterday, the big thing that was evident on top of the passing, right? When the passing breaks down, everything just looks clunky. But they weren't moving the puck very fast. Yeah. Even aside from the passes that were missed. 
a lot of labored decisions, a lot of delayed decisions. And now LA wasn't necessarily forcing the tempo constantly, but they just didn't complete passes and execute well, but they delayed all their processes. And it, it was maybe most notable by Archie Baines, who ends up getting uh, sent down today. But nevertheless, like it, it, it struggled. And, and defensively, they had their issues doing that as well of we got the puck in our own end and how quickly are we trying to get it out? It, it, it was methodical and we tradition, traditionally use that word as like, oh, they were surgical with it and it was precise and they were they were being really pragmatic about their approach. It was methodical and poor yeah. yesterday. Uh, it was just uh, a lot of times uh, like they're holding on to the puck too long. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, puck c- comes around on the rim and winger has a chance to chip it to the centerman who's streaking through the middle of the defensive zone. A breakout we've seen a thousand times over and over again and they're just not making that pass there's a moment of hesitation they're turning it back and then la is back on the forecheck whatever it might have been it just it wasn't connected for vancouver last night so i i hear some of your um and see some of your discussions about this and understand that there are things canucks could still add ahead of friday's trade deadline but more than anything right now the Canucks' struggles are down to their top players. And, you know, I, I sent out the graphic today of their scoring through this seven-game stretch, and it's JT Miller with 12 points. His line mates, Brock Besser and Pew Suter, are two and three, and then it's like everybody else, Right. Who is everybody else, though? Who headlined everybody else? Uh, Tyler Myers and Andrew Hughes are four points apiece. The Myers one is the one I wanted to hear. Myers is in your top five of point getters during this seven-game yeah. stretch. That that tells you something. And it's not so much Miller, who is amongst these top players, but you could lump him in last night. Well, he had a moment last night. A little bit as well. And Rick Tockett... What I wanted to get to is this clip from Rick Tockett where he doesn't call either player or any of these players out specifically, but in all of his comments that were saying this was egregious and that was egregious last night, subtly he said, in a few ways, I need more out of my top guys so that they can get everybody else in the lineup in line, and getting back to our staples as a group. Here's Rick Tockett after last night's game. Listen to this. But figuring it out is not all in. You know, you can't play an all-in style. I'm going to pinch when I want. You know, I'm going to throw a puck out in the slot when there's coverage there. Um, you know, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to change bad when I want. I mean, those are the things that when I first got here, you know, I did the one that when the goal there, the change was bad, and then obviously our coverage sucked. Even though we had people there, those things just can't happen. You know, they can happen once in a while. I get it, but they've just been happening too frequently right now. So there's Rick Tockett, and what comes to mind when you hear those three plays that he calls out? Quinn Hughes pinching at an inopportune time, leading to odd man rushes going against and goals against. Elias Pedersen with the thrown puck through the middle of the ice that leads to a goal against. And JT Miller on the first goal last night with a slow change and subsequent goal against shortly thereafter for the LA Kings. 
as much as, yes, the Canucks need more out of Elias Lindholm, the Canucks need more out of a lot of guys on the roster, right now, you're going through it right now. Elias Pettersson and Quinn Hughes are both struggling. For those that only want to single out Elias Pettersson, this has been Quinn Hughes' worst stretch of the season. Now, he set a pretty high bar for most of the year. Yeah. But if you're being honest about it, Quinn Hughes is not playing up to the level we expect Quinn Hughes to play right now. Everybody goes through their little slumps. This is his right now. But what's most concerning for me, and by association, Rick Tockett given his comments last night, is that they're letting it take them away from what made this team great for most of the season. They're letting it take away from what this team's identity is. And if your top players aren't leading your identity as a squad, guess what's going to happen? That's going to filter through the lineup a little bit. I don't think the Canucks were bad defensively last night. When they got hemmed in their own end, they kept most things to the outside and still defended pretty well, got their rotations right. It was making bad egregious mistakes like the one some of their top players committed last night and until that gets sorted out until one of the other comments talk it made he thinks players are stat chasing a little bit until that stops and the Canucks get back to what made them great through the first 50 games of the year then yeah this slump is is going to continue here for Vancouver what a conundrum too, right? That if you're stat chasing here in this recent stretch and you just talked about the last seven games, yeah. who's, who's who's fourth in team scoring? Tyler, Tyler Myers, Myers. Right? So Hugh Suter is third. Yeah. So you, you intend to stat chase and the stats aren't following and certainly now the results aren't coming their way. Whereas early in the year you were doing all the right things and the stats were just coming to you. The, we just kept looking up. It's like three Canucks in the top 10. How yeah. is this happening? Yep. They can't stop, and and the one that's missing is Brock Besser, who's leading the team in goals. It was it was overwhelming, and just bad process a, a lot last night, and for for offensive creation. Yeah, defensively, again, I I don't know this overwhelming sequence of chances the Kings had. The second period, you know, for me, they they had one you know really good chance. Kopitar scores, and it's an unbelievable shot yeah. from Kopitar taking that low high pass. Picking the far corner, maybe Demko can have that one. But nevertheless, it's a great play. But the whole sequence leading up to it, it, it wasn't even just about Pedersen, who owns that giveaway, absolutely. But Hronik was out there for like a minute. Yeah, it was a long It was long a long shift. shift in the second period. you got to get to the f- bench. And you're the right side of D-man, right? So you got to go the long way. Help your guy out. Yeah. There was multiple clear, clearing attempts that pass right to a Kings player. Yeah. Or Hronik feeds it up to Besser to just tip it in. Let me get out. Just just do that at the red line. Yeah. And it goes between Besser's legs. And he misses it. Yeah. And it's an icing. And it's an icing. And now you're out there. Jumbled D-pairing. Jumbled lineup. And there's the goal against. Yep. Which is a killer in that moment. And they had other moments like that. Um, you know, they score the goal, the 2-1 goal, and then get on the penalty kill. Yeah, soft, pe- soft call, but... You still got to kill the penalty. I know you guys were talking about this on the postgame last night, but it goes in line with what's happened recently, and that is the special teams has taken a real downturn. So, yeah, you score a power play goal last night, but guess what? Uh, That penalty kill goal, that that giving up a goal to the, uh, the Kings in that situation after you just clawed one back, it just can't happen, right? In a playoff game, it cannot happen. 
And this could be a potential playoff opponent. So right now you're, I think, during this stretch, they're under 75% on the PK. Some of that is to do with the Minnesota game, which really uh, deflates the number. But also, you're um, you're sub-15% on the power play during the same stretch. Like you, You're not going to win games when your special teams is going as poorly as this is. And again, that comes down to some of your top players. So, you know, Pedersen, I know there's a lot that he's uh, sort of going through right now. And... He's admitted the distraction of everything that's going around him. His game has got to pick up. And for as much as, yes, JT Miller was a part of the comment from Rick Tockett that we just played, he's still been the guy that's led the charge. Mm -hmm. He's the only one of the top players that feels like he's getting himself playoff ready, whereas Hughes and Pedersen are in a little bit of a malaise right now. And they aren't matching the intensity, the desperation level of some of the opponents that the Canucks have come up against here in recent games. Miller essentially got them to two points against Boston. Yep. And he's the reason they got a point against Winnipeg, right? So he he's, as much as we can talk about that goal against yesterday and his change on it, but he, he's contributed to, to get the team results here recently. It was really hilarious, the train, the change too. Because like he wanted Juleson to give him a pass down low. Yeah. And when Juleson didn't give it to him, he just, he bailed on the play completely. Yes. Which is, and the thing that's is, that's one of those like, Probably shouldn't do that. I chuckled when it happened. He but, went so slow to the bench. Yeah. But it was also like the the Canucks had the puck. Yeah. And if, if it's a soft rebound in front of Talbot, maybe it's nothing. If, if the rebound's jammed by a Canuck, even if it's a big one, it's no big deal. But it bounced perfectly out for the Kings, and he's not looking behind <laughs> him. And Fiala's like skating right at him. It just it looked really odd. He probably would have gotten away with it. Yes. If there was just a better sequence of plays behind him. Yeah. But that's the point. Like that's the reason it doesn't matter that like the, the the non-negotiables. You just do it no matter what. Yes. It shouldn't matter that the Kings maybe fumble a puck. It shouldn't matter that the rebound goes a bit better. Shouldn't matter that the D-man holds the puck a quarter of a second longer or half a second longer yeah. and you get to the blue line you're coming off get off because yeah. somebody else wants to make a play and you should be doing it so that guy can go make a play yeah. and they had three guys back like Bluger's in the zone by the time the puck comes across but could he have been in a different spot had you hurried up and uh, one of the guys off the bench is a little late to get to to Dowdy as well but uh, there's a couple of other things as uh, Tockett mentioned uh, their coverage sucked on that play but you know don't pout if you don't get a pass in the offensive zone and just sort of lollygag back to the bench. Maybe, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to criticize Miller this year, but that was a play where it's like, we haven't seen a ton of that out of him mm-hmm. this year, but it was uh, one that you'd rather not see for the Canucks leader in points through this uh, stretch since the All-Star break. All right, Dan Richo and Bick Nazar, let's get to the Canucks Central Roundup. A couple of rapid-fire news bits with the Canucks and... Things happening around the league. Arshdie Baines assigned to Abbotsford today, so his stat line through five games, minus three, six pims, and three shots on goal. No goals, no assists. But it was, for the most part, I think a pretty positive five games from Arshdie Baines. Last night felt as though he was a little bit behind the pace or slow to make his decisions on the ice. Last night was his worst game of the five. I'll say I'll say that. And I'm just curious what the Canucks are going to do now because they probably still want to take somebody on the road with them. Mm-hmm. They only have 12 forwards on the roster as they get ready for this three-game road trip. Probably a good sign for uh, uh, Nils Oman, obviously. Yeah. Uh, getting back into the lineup. But 
I, I know we got a string of texts and I saw people replying to your tweet of Dakota Joshua's back. Uh, <laughs> I, I would be very skeptical about that as well. Uh, it's been, what, two weeks here. Yeah. Uh, even when Coach was asked about Joshua earlier this week, he said mm-hmm. he's not seeing a doctor to get reevaluated until next week sometime. Yeah. So, so it, it's so that was the, the 13th game. So two and a half weeks. Yeah. Probably looking at another at least 10 days uh, at, at bare minimum. Yeah. So you would expect like some roster machinations here. Maybe it's as simple as save a days of cap and yeah. Baines comes up tomorrow because they travel tomorrow. Right. But just a paper move, just a paper move, but we'll see what ultimately does happen here. Um, Canucks do get a team day off today. Uh, they'll probably practice tomorrow before they head out on the road to Anaheim on Sunday, beginning a three game road trip, Anaheim ducks, LA Kings, Vegas, golden Knights, Vegas, obviously, a seriously depleted roster. Looks like they'll have Jack Eichel back, uh, if if not in tomorrow, uh, probably by the time the Canucks face mm-hmm. the Vegas Golden Knights next Thursday. So, uh, you know, the schedule doesn't have many lulls in it right now, Bick. You look through the end of the season, the Canucks will have no excuse as to whether or not they're getting you know, level of competition that'll have them geared up mm-hmm. for the playoffs because it's a pretty tough schedule from here on out. Now, there, there's probably enough points in there for them because uh, I know there's some concern. Will they get first in the Pacific, right? Yeah. Well, Anaheim's coming up here, Washington. Uh, what, what, what status are they going to be at March 16th? Buffalo, Montreal, Calgary, Anaheim again. You get two against Arizona and Calgary, uh, second last game of the season. So even just those ones... There, there might be enough points in it for you to get to 109, 110 points, and that's probably more than enough for the Pacific Division. Maybe even 107 gets you there. But what they're going to be judged upon and where they're going to build trust with the fan base is LA on Tuesday, Vegas on Thursday, Winnipeg on Saturday, Colorado back home on Wednesday, right? It's yeah, it's those types of games where fans are going to feel better about them going into game one of the playoffs. Um. All right, looking around the league, a couple of uh, newsy bits. Jacob Markstrom unhappy with how the Flames have dealt with him. This is the quote today uh, on a question asked by uh, Eric Francis of Sportsnet. Everyone in here, I really respect everything that's been going on, Markstrom said, and not going on, and however in this room, and how everyone in this room has handled everything talking about how they've handled the trades and the rumors around everything. I think it's been really good. And then the whole situation and everything with me, am I happy about that? No, I'm not. I think it could have been handled a lot different from up top. So, Jacob Markstrom, uh, there was a potential deal with the New Jersey Devils that fell apart somewhere. Is he upset that didn't go through? There was some reports that he was asked to waive his no-trade clause, and he did. So, it, it seems like Jacob Markstrom is either trying to restart the fire of trade talk before next Friday or making sure that uh, something gets done in the summer. I miss Jacob Markstrom's honesty, right? Yes. He, he was always very fiery when he was even here in Vancouver. Uh, that is, uh, it's pretty spicy, right? And and here's the danger in, you know, broaching someone for their clause in their contract is yeah. you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, <laughs> right? It's yeah. Once that, you know, that, that element of, of trust is broken, it's like, I earned this. You gave it to me. Yeah. Now you're asking me to waive it. Yeah. And now it didn't materialize. Now, now we sit here in this awkwardness. Yes. I don't necessarily blame them. Yeah. It's a uh, worst case scenario. And, for, and, for and they're trading guys out. Yeah. Which is, look, I understand it, it's part of the business, right? But they've won four in a row. 
They've won four in a row. They're still in a race and uh, keep trading guys off. It's probably the right move for Calgary, to be honest, but still uh, probably a tough spot for Jacob Markstrom to be in. But it's not as if Markstrom's a UFA here. No. And you're like, oh, well, we can just deal with the awkwardness for another 20 games. You're going out the door. He's got two years left. He's got two years left. (laughs) And he's playing incredible. Yes. He is uh, right there with Demko and Hellebuck for the the Vesna this year. Uh, All right. Ken Holland telling Sportsnet he has uh, lots of irons in the fire a week ahead of the trade deadline. Look, uh, Ken Holland hasn't been shy of making moves at the deadline. I don't see why the Oilers wouldn't be now that they're right back in the playoffs after their slow start to the season. I like. I know that there is talk about Gensel, but they they need a D man, don't they? Like they've got to upgrade on Cody Cece, who just gets absolutely crushed every time they get to the playoffs. I feel like they're in the same spot as the Canucks, where they could probably use a top six forward and probably use one more D-man. Yeah. I think they could use a D-man more well, than the Canucks. I, they might be in the thing of like, uh, we're, we're like... I feel like the Canucks absolutely need a top six forward. Yeah. And if they get one more D-man, it'd be a luxury, but you don't feel great about the seven that they have, but you can probably exist with it. Well, Juleson would become their seven. Yeah, but again, could it use an upgrade? Probably. Yeah. Whereas... The defense for for Edmonton, it'd be nice to get another top six forward, but they probably need a D-man. Yeah. Uh, And a right shot guy. So maybe uh, Sean Walker or one of those types. And that's sort of the avenue the Canucks have to go through uh, in the They're spending so much money on the back end, though. They are. I mean, Cody Ceci was a a bad contract. Well, Darnell Nurse isn't a good contract. Darnell Nurse is also a bad contract. Um, So you got Ekholm and, and Bouchard, and those are your guys. But beyond that, uh, they've they've had their struggles. Uh, finally, one trade made today. The Devils getting Curtis McDermott from the Colorado Avalanche for a seventh-round pick and uh, a guy I've never heard of. Is that why they won't trade Tyler Toffoli now? Because they're, they're buyers? Um, it seems that way, yes. <laughs> seventh-round pick. They're getting heft on the back end. They well, need to recoup the seventh-round pick now. Only one way to do it. McDermott's right. a forward now. Right. Guess, he? Yeah. He's... he's, he's He's depth. So it's going to cost a second and a seventh to yeah. get Tyler Toffoli now. <laughs> Got to throw that in that seventh. I'll pay that tax. Uh, all right, coming up, Yannick Hansen will join us. His take on the slumping Canucks. It's coming up next on Canucks Central. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Grants. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.